this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Great weekend with John and Julie in Burton. And uh, very excited about what God's doing uh, with you in terms of planting and uh, representing his presence in that town. And believing God that that's going to be the first of many uh, that you're going to see planted out or resourced out from here in Derby. But also great to see you being strengthened here in the base church. Brilliant to hear about the conference that's coming up. We're so sorry. Well, we're sort of sorry. We're on holiday when it's happening. So to say I'm sorry I'm on holiday, I'm actually not sorry I'm on holiday at all. But I'm really sorry that we can't be with you for uh, the Andy Robinson conference. We would have loved to have been there. Uh, Through friendship with Graham, uh, he's introduced us to Andy and we've become really, really good friends. In fact, we've asked Andy if he can come to Devoted and uh, he's going to be at Devoted. You've probably seen that on the literature, and that's through your friendship. So you have influenced our whole event, our whole conference, and uh, Andy and his team have become really good friends because of the contact uh, with Graham. So thank you for that. Uh, Thank you for also Jubilee Church Derby for releasing Graham and Sarah to uh, wider work, to wider ministry. I think you'll have heard what a great time Graham had in Cambodia Uh, We had our prayer days this week, and unfortunately, Graham couldn't be with us on the day that we shared about Cambodia, Uh, but Mike Springer, who some of you will know, do you know Mike Springer from Darlington? Uh, Mike was just able to give a great report about the week that Graham, he, and John Payne from Harrogate had in Cambodia, and he was able to say all about Graham's ministry, how, how he'd really seen Graham grow and develop, and his apostolic gifting just maturing and growing in Cambodia. So it's just great for you to hear that. He won't tell you that, but I want to tell you that we're very grateful to you for releasing Graham, because this is not just about what Graham's doing in the nation or the nations, it's about what you're doing. So this church here in Derby, I believe, is influencing the locality. It's great to hear you planting out, but you are influencing nation and the nations. It's interesting, Graham said to me, we'd hope that about a hundred people would come to the conference with Andy Robinson. At the moment, it's looking like you're going to get about 250 people coming. And many of those are from the districts around. Many of those are from counties around. Some people are coming down from Lake District, up from the north, uh, northeast, uh, up from the south. It's wonderful to see what God's doing here with you. You becoming a real centre for God's presence and what he's doing. And I really want to speak into that this morning. It's a word that I feel God's given me for our churches at the moment, but I actually feel, as I was preparing this week, it's particularly relevant for you. So if you've got a Bible, I wonder if you could turn to Acts chapter 11. And we're going to read a couple of portions in a moment. It's always been God's desire... It's always been God's intention that he would fill the whole earth with his glory. See, he always starts small, starts with one couple, starts with a baby, starts with um, a little community, starts with Abraham, he starts with Moses, he starts with Jesus, he starts with Adam and Eve, he starts with things that are small, but it's always his intention not just to bless the locality that people are in, but from the locality that people are in to bless the whole world. 
And God wants you to know that, that you're a world-shaping church. That you're a church that to shape the world that you live in day by day, tomorrow, this week, but you're also called to shape the world around you and the actual geographical world as well. Now, you're not doing it on your own. Many churches like you are being raised up, and, but God is doing it through local churches just like you. And I want today to give you a bigger picture, to give you a bigger understanding of God's call on your life. You see, God said to that first couple, Adam and Eve, go and fill all the earth. Go and multiply. Go and reproduce and fill all the earth. Go and take what we've got in this garden and spread it over all the earth. Now, unfortunately, they didn't. They kept it to themselves. Unfortunately, they were selfish with the presence of God. In fact, they wanted to be like God themselves, even though actually God has said, you are my image, you are my representation, you are the kingdom of God being expressed on planet Earth. But they seemed to grasp for something more. And as we know, sin and destruction and selfishness came into the world. And this sense of wanting to keep it to ourselves. And we want to be boss. We want to be the Lord. And that kind of gets typified over the next few chapters of Genesis. It particularly comes to a head in Genesis. Genesis chapter 11, when it says, we will ascend to the Most High. We will build a tower for ourselves, and we'll reach heaven where we are. And God had told them to go into all the nations, and make nations, but they said, no, we'll stay. And of course, God comes down, and he says, he scatters them over all the earth. He multiplies languages, he scatters them. Why? Is that a judgment? Well, in one sense it is, but in another sense it's actually God's blessing. It's God's purpose. He always wanted mankind to influence the nations. And then the next chapter, chapter 12, it's God calling Abraham, and through you, Abraham, and through your seed, through your descendant, which is Christ, through your offspring, actually all families of the earth, every family, every descendant, every people group, every clan, everyone on planet earth is going to be blessed because God's got a heart for the whole world. God's got a heart for nations. God's got a heart that all the planet that he made might hear the good news. And of course that culminates, the promise of God culminates with the coming of the Christ, with the coming of Jesus, the offspring of Abraham. And Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world. That's what he actually told them to do. Go into all the world. Preach to all creation. Preach to every language. Preach to every people group. Go and proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. God is with you. He wants to bless you. He wants to have friendship with you. He wants to have intimacy with you. He wants to know you and love you. And that, of course, is the message, friends, that we're carrying today. Unfortunately, the church of Jesus Christ today doesn't go. It says, come. It says, come to our meetings, come to our events, come to the things that we're putting on, when actually he's told us to go into all the world. Now, it's ever so important we understand that. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that our guest services, our meetings, our conferences, our events are not important. We run more than any of those (laughs) I'm not saying our alphas aren't important. We run alpha just like you run alpha. It's important that we do those, but in the end, that's not the only way that the message is supposed to spread. It's supposed to spread, I think, how Rupert described it so brilliantly this morning, that actually all of us are supposed to be drinkers and carriers of the Holy Spirit in life. You see, Jesus told his disciples, he said, now, you've just got to wait for one thing. There's only one thing you need now. I'm risen. 
In a moment, I'm going to be glorified. I'm going to go to heaven, he said. In a moment, I'm going to be taken up and ascended. And when I am ascended, and when I sit down at the right hand of the Father, I'm going to send you one just like me. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Wait for it. Wait in Jerusalem. And when I send the Holy Spirit, actually what's going to happen is one thing. You're going to be propelled to the nations. You're going to be propelled from Jerusalem, which is home city, Judea, which is home county, Samaria, which is like the county next door that we don't really like and we don't really want to have anything to do with, but we know it's there, and to the ends of the earth, to the nations. And that's literally what happened. And The story we're going to be picking up is of the story of that first early church and how they were propelled to the nations. Now, you haven't got time to read this, but if you read the early chapters of Acts, you'll find out that they don't actually do what Jesus has said. They just stay in Jerusalem at first. And they build a great church. It's a wonderful church. It's an amazing church. Loving one another, sharing possessions, giving, caring, devoting themselves. Devoted. That's why we called it devoted, by the way. Devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayer. It's a beautiful, wonderful community. People are getting saved and healed and the fear of the Lord is going. But that's not what God said to them. He didn't just say build a massive church in Jerusalem. He said go to the ends of the earth. And guess what? persecution comes on the church. And you might say, well, is that the judgment? Is that the enemy? Is that evil? Well, yes, there is massive evil in it. There is massive persecution in it. But actually, it's the hand of God that's shaking the tree. It's the hand of God that's saying, now, I don't want you to stay where you are. I want you to go. And some of you may be feeling that right now. Some of your life circumstances might be shaken up a little bit. Why does that happen? Well, sometimes because God doesn't want you to get too rooted. God doesn't want to get you too stationary. He doesn't want you to be too fixed in one spot. He wants you to be a mobile community, a mobile people. And some of the shaking of God that you're even experiencing now is actually so that you might be even more mobile. Now, that's not just mobile to geographic nations. It's mobile down your street. It's mobile in your office. It's mobile down the pub. It's mobile in all these places. And that's literally what happened to the early church. So we get, it's a bit of a long introduction of the whole purposes of God <laughs> from Genesis through to Jesus. But we're going to pick up the story now in Acts chapter 11. Because I think this particular church, and by the way, God always roots his purposes in particular people, in particular churches, in particular settings. And this is the church in Antioch. You've probably heard lots about Antioch. It was a really key city. It was the third largest city in, its, in, in that whole uh, area. In fact, probably in the known world, it was the third largest city. Whether it was the third largest city in the world, I don't know at that time, because there was parts of the world like India and China that they knew nothing about. But in their knownness, in that Middle East, second only, or the Middle East and Europe, second only to Alexandria in Egypt and Rome in Italy, it was the largest city. And it was a real cosmopolitan city. Again, a little bit like Derby, quite a cosmopolitan place. People would come and go. People would come uh, with their trade. It was full of the nations. It was full of, it was on major trade routes, on, you know, like just on the M1. It was, uh, it was on a major route of its day. It was a real multicultural, multi uh, faceted city, and this is what happens in uh, Antioch. We're going to read chapter 11, verses 19 to 26, and then we're going to read chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, you know the context of that now, 
travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only amongst the Jews. Now that's their first mistake, because Jesus told them to go to all nations and all people groups, all clans, all tribes. But to start with, they kept it amongst the Jews. Some of them, however, shock horror, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also. The gospel goes to the Gentiles, really for the first time, properly being incarnated, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. Now they sent Barnabas to Antioch, and Barnabas is a great encourager. His name means son of encouragement. And they will have sent him, just as they sent Peter uh, and John down to Samaria, they would have sent Barnabas down into Antioch just to check out what's happening. What's the foundations like? What's going on? Is it built right? What's happening? And it says this, when he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done and was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And then the turning point of all missional history happens. Apart from Jesus dying and raising from the dead, we'll take that for granted. But the turning point of all missional history happens. Barnabas went to this little town called Tarsus to find Saul. We know him as the Apostle Paul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. Isn't this interesting? The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Before that, they were called followers of the way. Turn over with me or press the next button on your devices, to Acts chapter 13 and 1 to 3. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, a multiplicity of gifts. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called them to do. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And what they sent them off to do was the first mission, what we call the first missionary journey of Paul and how Paul and, and Barnabas bring the gospel to the Gentiles and particularly right across into Europe. And from Antioch, the whole of the known world is affected. I just want to say three things about Antioch briefly. First of all is this, just do you notice how multicultural it is? Antioch was a multicultural city, but it was a divided city. It was a city set out in quarters. Now, interesting enough, when we say quarters, it doesn't literally mean 25% of the city. A quarter of the city just means a part of the city. And they had the Greek quarter, they'd had the Jewish quarter, they'd had the Roman quarter, they'd had the, the 
the dif- different quarters from different nations. In fact, some historians say when they've discovered Antioch, they found that these quarters were not just like in Manchester. We've got the Chinese uh, Chinatown in Manchester, or we you might have a uh, we've got the Curry Mile in, in in Manchester, or you might have areas here that are particularly ethnic. But they actually apparently built walls. They were like walled cities within the city, and it's like you didn't go outside of your walled quarter. You didn't go outside of it. It was very ethnically divided. A little bit like, unfortunately, some of our towns and nations are today. But what happened in the church is God did something miraculous. He brought the walls down and he produced a new community, one new man in Christ. In fact, I wonder if that's what encouraged Barnabas. You think, what encouraged Barnabas the most? I think it was he saw the grace of God, that actually now it was Jew and Gentile. It was rich and poor. It was slave and free. It was men and women. It was dark-coloured skins and very dark-coloured skins and medium-coloured skins and maybe a few pasty white ones in there as well. But, you know, it was all people together. And that was totally reflected in the leadership team. Elderships, leadership should be a true reflection of the body and they should be a true reflection of the community, actually. And it was so encouraging to see in that leadership team, this is what we've got. We've got Barnabas. Now, he, Luke describes him in a previous passage as a Levite from Cyprus. In other words, he's part of the Jewish ruling elite. He's part of the Jewish religious aristocracy. So he's there. Then we've got Simeon called Niger. That unfortunately just means blackie. And it probably, almost certainly, means he was a black slave. In fact, some... It's all right for you to laugh, isn't it? It's okay for you to laugh. It's inappropriate for the rest of us to laugh. But that's literally what it means. Um, you know, for us, it's kind of politically incorrect for us to say that, but that's what it actually means for him. And he was probably a black slave. Some commentators, it's fascinating when you read the commentary, and sometimes they don't really know what they're talking about, but in this particular instance, they say, maybe this Simon or Simeon from Africa, probably from Cyrene, because that's what they say, there are people from Cyrene there, (laughs) maybe he's Simon of Cyrene. Do you remember him? who carried the cross of Jesus. Maybe it's him. We don't know. I find those little fascinating things, quite little tidbits. You go, well, that's interesting. The Bible doesn't say so. The commentaries just ask the question, as they often do, but never answer it. But it's interesting. So he's a black slave, and he's in the church. Now, Lucius is also of Cyrene. That's North Africa. He's, again, almost certainly a black slave who is in the church. Then you've got Manian who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. And when it says in the language he was brought up with Herod, it doesn't just mean, oh, he was in the same village or he went to school with him. Like, you might, I went to school with Paul McCartney's kids. You know, isn't that, isn't that impressive? I, I'm impressed by it, but nobody else is these days. So I, I, I once said that to our church in Teesside. You had to say, what was the most impressive thing? And I said, I went to school with Paul McCartney's kids. And the youth group go, who's Paul McCartney? <laughs> and I said, he used to be in a boy band, don't worry about it. Um, But it doesn't just mean you went to school with some famous people. It actually means that you were part of the same extended family and educated in the same home, brought up properly. So Herod the Tetrarch, you're talking about royalty. So this was a guy who was brought up in a royal household, Manian. So you've got slaves, 
you've got the religious royalty, you've got the actual royalty, and then you've got Saul, uh, sp- uh, who was a Greek speaker from Tarsus, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a very well-educated man. So you've got here, educated, not educated, wealthy, not wealthy. You've got rich and poor. This is Jews loving Gentiles. This is Africans loving Europeans. This is the religious loving the heathen. This is the rich loving the poor. Dear friends, this is the church of God. And that's what we are. And as I look out here today, that's what we are. We're different sectors of society. We are different coloured skins and we celebrate that. It's wonderful to see on your leadership here. Because for us, sometimes it's not always skin colour, although it's great to see people of different ethnicity here and in the leadership as well, which is wonderful. For us, often it's ages. For us, age can, can, can be more of a barrier sometimes than background, or it can be sometimes uh, educational, what we would call class or demographic, where you've come, where school you were educated at, what system you came through. And actually in the church, none of that matters. It's a total level, level playing field. We're all one in Christ, male, female, rich, poor, black, white. It's all one in Christ. And it's wonderful to even to see in your leadership team here, just different backgrounds being reflected, different ethnicities being reflected, different ages being reflected. So we've got people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, may I say, and comment. <laughs> I would just like to say, looking out here this morning, it'd be great to see some people in their 20s and 30s in that as well. So I'll just make that comment and leave that with you because I think actually it's good to see the church, the leadership of the church, fully reflecting the community around itself. It was a church of multi-ethnicity, fully reflecting one new man in Christ. Secondly, it was a church that was really led by the Holy Spirit. It's just interesting what happens. God speaks to them and a whole movement, a whole missionary movement is formed. Now, who does God speak through? Have a read in the text. Tell me. Who does God speak through? not rhetorical. I'm looking for an answer. The Holy Spirit. Who did the Holy Spirit speak through? It's sort of a trick question, but it's not. It's a very important point. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't know. It's us. Brilliant, John. It's the body of Christ. It doesn't even... It's interesting because it's Luke here hasn't been afraid. He's done his thorough investigation. It's a brilliant biography, Luke's gospel. It's a brilliant, well-reasoned, well-researched document. But Luke doesn't even mention it. Now, Luke's travelled with Paul and Barnabas. Luke's travelled with them. He's part of that missionary movement. I'm sure he would have... I'm sure loads of... He said, oh, Luke, tell me... Oh, Paul, tell me the story again. Barnabas, tell me the story again. And it's almost as if it doesn't really matter who the Holy Spirit has spoken through. The fact the Holy Spirit speaks. And my point is this. If we're to be a spirit-filled community, that doesn't just mean that the elders or the leaders or visiting speakers get words from the Lord. It actually means that all God's people hear his voice. And I believe this was a church where everybody could hear the voice of the Lord. They come together for regular times of prayer and worship, and in their case, fasting and hearing God and waiting on God. And in one such setting like that, the Holy Spirit said, 
It wasn't Jack or Fred or Lucius or Niger. Or, it wasn't any of those people. It was the Spirit said. Now, what that means, see, when I was a... Well, interestingly, we'll age, some of you, in a moment, see so, so if you know this cultural reference. When I was a kid, we only had two channels on the TV, but uh, never mind about that. And, uh, and my parents only had black and white. I didn't even know there was colour till I left home. But when, when I used to love this particular programme by Jerry Anderson, and it would start off like this. It would say, in the next half an hour, anything can happen. Thank you. You, mate, are a lot older than you look. <laughs> or you're a bit of a Jerry Anderson geek. It was Stingray. I loved Stingray. And have a look online. It's really naff now when you look back at it. But at the time, it was like science fiction at its cutting edge. It was the Star Wars experience of its day. But actually, the point is anything can happen. And, you know, when we gather to worship, anything can happen. The Holy Spirit can suddenly speak and John, I loved your story from last week, how you came here and God suddenly broke in on you and spoke to you and changed you. And You've been a Christian for many years, loved the Bible, loved Jesus, but suddenly the Spirit impacted this man and he didn't even say who prayed for him because it doesn't matter because it was the Holy Spirit who did it. That means that God can use and does use each one of you. Now the danger here, because this mentions leaders, we can think this is all about leadership. Now, leadership's involved with this, I expect the leaders weighed the prophecy. Why do I expect that? Because Paul later teaches that we should weigh prophecy. He later writes a whole chapter on how we handle spiritual gifts. So it's not just, well, Frida seem to think Paul and Barnabas should go off. The rest of us haven't a clue. Well, Frida thinks that you better go. No, I'm sure they would have weighed it. They would have sought God together, but the Holy Spirit spoke through individuals. God wants to say to you as a community, he wants to speak through you. He wants, your, he wants you to have a listening ear to him. He wants you to be a person, a man and a woman and a young person who hears the Spirit of God speak to you and that you Obey it. Now, yes, there's order in that. Yes, there's submission to authority. Yes, there's elders who lead and govern. It says there were prophets and teachers. It tells us that. But God can and does speak through you. But also, they were just such a spirit-filled community. I just want to underline this for you. I think it's what God is doing with you right now here in Derby. He's making you into a spirit-filled community. He's coming again and filling the church with his spirit. And I want to encourage you for this conference. I thought this, I was preparing for this and just chatting with Graham last night as well. You know, I think your surprise that this conference, you thought 100, now it looks like 250. I think God wants to say a little bit like Ray brought, you know, ha, ha, go on, give, give it a shot. How, how big am I? How big can I go? I think God wants to surprise you more and more with events like that. Now, yes, I believe there's going to come growth to the church, but the church is becoming who the church should be when she gives out to others and when she starts to bless others. We don't exist for ourselves, we exist for others. And by putting on this conference next week, by funding it, by resourcing it, you're giving out, not just to yourself, but to others. And more and more, God wants you to be a resource-based church. Strong local base, but resourcing and sending and equipping other people from regions and even from nations. And I see in the spirit, this conference growing. I don't want to put that upon you. I'm not telling you that. I just sense what I see. I see this conference growing. I see 500. 
I see a thousand. I see the conference itself becoming a real vehicle for you to grow the church because people will come in and they'll go, wow, there's a church like that in Derby. I want to join it, like John. You know, a bit of fear. He said in the early church, though, some of the religious were slightly frightened to join the church because they kind of knew God was amongst them. And it was wonderful to hear John's stories. I was a bit frightened to join Jubilee, but I nearly bottled it. But, you know, I know what that phrase means. I nearly bottled it. I didn't. I came along. God met me. There's going to be many people like that in this area who are going to come and join you because you're displaying that you're a church full of the Spirit. It's a real key for you. God gives certain churches certain keys at certain moments in their history in their life. God is giving you this key of his presence and the prophetic speaking of God for this season, for this time. Now, will it be true in 10, 15, 20 years? I don't know. We're not putting a... We're not developing an event that's going to be here forever and a day, but right now, God's on it, and you need to discern the time. Bring as many people as you can. Let's get that other 9% filled up today. If you're not coming to it, book in. I think it's going to be an amazing time. And actually, who knows? Anything can happen in the next half an hour. God might even speak at that conference to you personally, or to you personally for someone else, and it might be a nation-shaping word. Now also, I think God is speaking to you as a local church, the same way he spoke in Antioch. He's saying, by the Spirit, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. And God is speaking to you. And I just want to underline it. It's easier for me to come in and say it than for you to say it. But I think God is speaking to Graham and Sarah. He's not saying go, because actually Paul and Barnabas didn't go and leave. They, it was their base church, they came back to it, For them, it took months on a journey to come back. For Graham, it can be a week in Cambodia and he can come back. Thank God for jets and modern communication. But God is saying about Graham and Sarah that he wants you to hold them lightly, hold them with an open hand. They're not physically going anywhere, as in this is going to be their base, but they are going somewhere in the spirit and they are going somewhere to influence other churches, and they are going somewhere to influence nations. And I believe the apostolic call is increasingly upon them as a couple to go, and you need to discern it. And you can either get very precious about it, or you can get very releasing about it. And Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, because actually in the giving, you actually start to receive. And I would just say to you, it's a little bit like, when I was a child, I loved butterfly collecting and I loved to collect caterpillars and see them turn into butterflies. And sometimes, sometimes if, you, if you put your hand out by a, but, by a, by a buddlier tree or sometimes just occasionally you get a butterfly, land on it. Now, if you try and cr- grab the butterfly, you'll crush it. And don't try and grab these two and hold on to them. Release them. And actually, there'll be more beauty. There'll be more release. There'll be more blessing for you as you release them. Now, they're not going anywhere. They're staying here. You're pleased to know, Lydia, because you're listening to this. But we are honouring your mum and dad. We're honouring what they're doing. We're honouring what they're carrying. And I believe what they're carrying is not just for Derby. It's for the region. Hence, God's blessing on this conference. That's just a little sign that God's blessing it. It's on nations. Hence, God's blessing Cambodia. Mike Springer, like I said to you at the beginning of this talk, was able to stand up at our prayer days and said, I thought Graham was just your administrator, Jeremy. He said this publicly. He said, I thought he was just your, the guy who got things done. 
I realise this is a man who could open nations. I realise this is an apostle. I realise this is someone who God has called to do that. He said, my eyes were open. Somebody else, another leader came up to me and said exactly the same. Oh, I'd, I'm so sorry. I want to apologise to you, Jeremy. I pigeonholed Graham. I thought he was just your implementer. But actually now, I see he's a man carrying apostolic authority who can open up nations. Now, it's just important you understand that. Because for you, it's just Graham. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like in Cambodia, he's opening up nations, speaking to pastors and helping lay fat. It's just Graham. You know? Do you remember our Graham? <laughs> Blind date if you didn't miss that reference. Uh, our Graham's now. You know, it's just our Graham. It's our Sarah. And sometimes you can get a bit casual with God's gifts. I want you to really honour the gift of God. That Now, that's not to put them on pedestals. Because actually, Graham and Sarah's heart is to honour you. And God's heart is to honour you. And God wants to speak to you and honour you. And just to say, there's a new confidence going to come to you two in this. And you're to stop apologising for the call of God on your life. And you've got to step into this new confidence. You've got to step into this new authority. There's just seasons in life when God says, step up. And it's just about the grace of God. It's not about how good you are. It's not what you've done. You haven't earned it. Therefore, you don't have to maintain it. It's just the grace of God. And you just step into it. And Sarah, there's just a new confidence that's going to come on you, that you are who you are by the grace of God. We were talking about that last night. God's spoken that to you, spoke it to Anne. And uh, you are, that's true. And you're just going to be who you are. You haven't got to magic anything out of the bag. You haven't got to be anything else. Just be who you are, because God's called you as you are to be a reflection of his glory in the nation. Sometimes you'll travel with Graham. Sometimes it's being at home with the family. That's equally important, honouring what you're doing in terms of motherhood in the home, honouring bringing up your children. That's just as much of an apostolic calling. It's just as much of an apostolic foundation to raise children and to put uh, effort and time and uh, your heart into these beautiful children. It's such a, you know, we went into the home last night and uh, it's such a lovely home. I don't mean the house, I mean the home. It's, it's the grace of God. Barnabas saw evidence of the grace of God. Last night, I saw evidence of the grace of God just in the home, just how these children interact with us as adults, just how they greet us, just how the baby that Sarah's holding in her arms, who, you know, not that long ago, wouldn't even laugh or cry or move. Suddenly, the moment we walk in the door, and it's not about us, it's about their parenting, and suddenly their hands are out, ah, hello, waving. And that's what, that's good parenting. They're laying a foundation. It's ever so important we understand that and we honour that and help to release that. And the going to the nations isn't going to undermine that. They're still going to be great parents. Say hallelujah, Lydia. <laughs> They're still going to be... When I knew you were in the Word, I thought, oh dear. <laughs> this is going to be trouble. And, they go, and there's a maturity on Lydia. You know, there's a, Lydia, nations are on your heart. And actually, mum and dad have instilled something in you of the passion of God and the love of God. And actually, you're going to go to nations, actually, Lydia. You're literally going to be... You're a woman of leadership, and you are literally going to go to nations. There's going to be a a missionary calling on you for that, and we'll talk about what a missionary is in in a moment. But I believe this is a church led by the Spirit, which brings me on to my third, and you'll be pleased to know, final point, that this is a church called to be on a mission. Now, I'll confess something to you. Sometimes we're stupid in New Frontiers. We use a phrase 
which doesn't make any sense at all. We, and I use it regularly. I caught myself this week using it three or four times. I may have even said it this morning. We talk about apostolic mission. Have you ever heard us say apostolic mission? Right. What does apostolic mission mean? Well, the word apostolic means to be sent with authority. It's from a Greek word. It means to invade culture with authority. It means to bring in God's presence. It means to go lay foundations. And when they were translating the Greek into Latin, they thought, what is the best word that we can translate apostle? And they found a word called missio, which had the same meaning. And we get mission from missio. So it's like saying, isn't this a lovely round circle? Because <laughs> apostolic mission means apostolic, apostolic, <laughs> or missionary mission. It's the same thing. And do you know what? All of us are caught up in this. See, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers are called to equip the church to do the work of ministry. So an apostle equips the church to be apostolic. A prophet equips the ter- church to be prophetic. An evangelist, etc., equips the church to be evangelistic. So apostolic gifting which I believe Graham has, is to equip the church for all of you to be apostolic. Now, actually, I think it's easier sometimes in our heads to say he's equipping all of you to be missionaries, cultural missionaries, missionaries where you are. Sociologists talk about the three spaces. Have you ever heard of this? They talk about the, the first space, which is the home. They talk about the second space, which if you're privileged enough to have a job, it will be where you work. But they talk about the third space, that even if you don't have a job, you probably know it's where you go and socialise. It's the club or the pub or the coffee shop or the bit of the street corner that you hang out with your mates or the bit of the playground that you sit in and chat that's your little space. It's the little bit, you know when you walk in and they're sitting in my seat? That's, that's your third space. That's, that's, that's the bit. And actually God has called all his people to be cultural missionaries in every space, at home, at work, but actually sometimes easier because of political correctness today in the third space. Sometimes it's hard at work, but God still wants to use you. But actually God wants to use you where you socialise, where you relax, where you shop. I mean, I I don't like shopping. I'm not a great shopper. Um, Do you want to come up and just... uh, Tell, tell your story. I, I'm sorry, I wasn't going to ask you to do this, Anne, but why don't you just come up and um, t- tell, your, tell your very normal story. Because I think what happens is people think that being a cultural missionary, shining for Jesus, declaring the good news and the love of God means you have to lead someone to Christ every day or means you have to have a healing every day at work. Actually, all of us are called to shine as cultural missionaries. In Antioch, they sent them out as missionaries, and I believe God is sending you out into every area and every arena of life. And when we were, Anne and I were talking about it, she said, it's just normal. It's just being down to earth. It's just being chatty. See, when I go to a supermarket, it's a mission. <laughs> I want to go, it's a covert mission. I don't want, to, it's undercover. I don't want anyone to know I'm there. I've got my list, and it's as quick as we can round the shop in a planned route, knowing the exit, 
It's, I must go in the shortest queue, otherwise, you know, something awful will happen, and we must get out of that door. Don't make eye contact with anyone. Don't look at the cashier. Don't, right, hand the car, punch the pin, run. Because that's what I, you know, I want to get in and out. Anne is so very different to me. If we go shopping together, it drives me nuts because Jeremy wants to get to that queue and find the shortest one. I haven't even finished looking around the supermarket and it, I, I'm thinking, I've forgotten something. So uh, anyway, so we have a quite an interesting time. We rarely go together. But my, I do love going to the supermarket and uh, I love going, buying things. But I love meeting people. I love chatting to people. Hence, I'm not worried about which queue I'm in because I'll chat to somebody. And at the moment... Our discount supermarkets, right, okay. I go to Lidl, other supermarkets are available, but that Lidl is my nearest one. And I've just got to know some of the staff in there. They don't have many staff, whereas your biggest supermarkets, there's hundreds of them, and they're on so many different rotors, you haven't got a clue who's who. But I've got to know them, I've got chatting with them, I've got chatting with them too, which is very difficult in both Aldi and Lidl, because you know you're rushed through quick and your stuff gets thrown in the in the trolleys but I have over the time got chatting to them and I'll just give two uh, two examples because I could take forever going through this story but before Christmas um, one lovely act of kindness happened to me and you may think this is not spiritual Anne but I just find it interesting that my supermarket trolley was quite full I rarely spend 50 pounds in little because you don't have to these days which is wonderful but I obviously had a trolley full of stuff I may have been having a party or something. And a lady came up to me and gave me a, a £10 off voucher if you spent £50 from the Daily Mail. I do not read that newspaper, except when we're in the pub. And, um, and then we found one in the pub, and we found one in the paper. And I uh, went to my cashier, and I said, oh, I've got this voucher. She said, yes, but you've spent, wi- spent it on wine, and you can only have one bottle of wine. I went, oh, no. And so she just, because I got to know her, went dashing to the end of the, of the supermarket, came back, and she said, the manager says it's okay because it's Christmas and you're a regular customer. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. So she and I just chat away. How's your, how's your cold? How's your snotty cold today? And all those sort of things we talk about. And then another day, one of the other cashiers, I, she looked a bit stressed. I said, what's the, and they wear their name tags in there, which is easier. I said, what's the matter, Mandy? She says, oh, I'm going three months off. I'm going to hospital for a major rot. I said, don't worry, Mandy, I'll be praying for you. And I just think conversations like that, I've sown a seed, there's seeds being sown in any conversation you have. You don't have to mention Jesus necessarily, but words of kindness make all the difference to when you're out and about. The reason I got Anne to share that, because it just came out of a conversation we were having, sometimes we share the the top-end stories uh, where people get healed and they come to faith and that does happen. You have a word of knowledge. But actually, I think it's just being normal and friendly and full of life. Yeah. See, people generally, especially in places like supermarkets and coffee shops and hotels, they're used to complaints. The only time you go to a reception is to complain. The only time you talk to them is if something's wrong. And actually, I think if you show love and kindness... So we go to a hotel, Graham and I and the team go to a hotel... Um, just outside of Manchester. And I just went to the staff at the end of it, and I said, oh, can I say something? And you could just sense her, her eyes go down. Like, I said, just want to know, I go to these hotels all the time. You are the friendliest staff I've ever come across. And suddenly, her, she's brightening up. Now, she knows we're Christians. She knows we're Christ Central Church, because that's what we've booked in under the name of. But actually, it blesses her. Graham and I were in a, in a restaurant this week, having a director's meeting. And we heard the guy, because 
we, we asked for a drink with ice in it. Actually, it was only Coke, I hasten to add. But we wanted Coke, and he said, oh, I can't get ice because I've got a bad back. I, ha I have to get, this is embarrassing, I have to get one of the girls to get it out of the cellar because I can't, I've got a bad back. So Graham turned to me and said, we'll pray for her later. Uh, sorry, we'll pray for him later. And so at the end of the meal, we just talked to him and we said, sorry to hear your bad back. You, this might be offensive to you which is often what I say to people, because actually it puts, their, it puts their guard right down, because they go, no, it's not going to be offensive to me. I said, this might be offensive to you, but we're Christians, we'd just love to pray for you. And he let us do that, and that's fine. And I don't know whether he got healed, what I do know is that he sought us out at the end and said, thank you so much, I think we made his day. That's what I'm talking about. That's the areas that we've got to shine like lights in. And I think the more we do that, occasionally we'll have some wonderful breakthroughs. There'll be more stories. That's just, that's just this last week. But I think we'll have more of those stories that'll be happening to us. And my passion for you here for Jubilee Church Derby is that you learn to shine as cultural missionaries in life. Now, some of you will go. All of us go as missionaries tomorrow into our workplaces. All of us go into our third spaces. All of us go into our neighbourhoods. But some of you will actually go as well. And some of you will plant churches. Some of you will go to nations. I believe, actually, there are nations that God has spoken to you about already. There are areas of the UK and nations that God has spoken to you about already. And God just wants to bless you with that. He wants to underline it in your heart that this is a church that's going to influence Derby. It's a church that's going to like strawberry plant out into Burton. It's a church that's going to go again, maybe Ashbourne. It's a church that's going to go again. These, these strawberries, you know, that's what strawberries do. They send out a runner. They send out life and it just roots in. And that's what's going to happen. It's going to be rooting in, rooting in, rooting in, rooting in. And there's going to be a massive plant that's going to be developed and spread out from this place but also, he's going to send particular people to other nations. And we're just going to end this in a very non-hypey way. Because sometimes preachers build and build and build, and you feel like, ah, oh, you're carrying on with this thing, you know, this sort of river that you've got to respond to. But I just I felt God as I was preparing, there's three things to respond to right now. Number one, those of you who know you're called to stay. Now, that surprised you, didn't it? Because we don't give calls to stay, we give calls to go. And I felt God say, no, there's some of you that just know that you're Derby and Derbyshire through and through, and that this is your hometown now, maybe you're born here, maybe not, but it's now your hometown, and they'll probably take you out of here in a box, because actually, this is where, this is where I want to give my life to. And God honours that. You see, they all didn't go from Antioch. Most stayed. And God's spoken to us in New Frontiers, about us being like a bow. Do you remember the bow and arrow prophecy? God spoke through our leader, the man who started New Frontiers and founded it, Terry Virgo, that New Frontiers is like a bow and an arrow. And a bow was stretched across, in this vision he saw a bow being stretched across the United Kingdom from the east down to the west country and the strength of the bow being pulled up into the north. In fact, some of us moved north and moved to the Midlands, the heart of the nation, on that word actually. And it was like it was being pulled back into the heartland of the UK, into the centre of the nation, like where we are here. And that was going to be the strength of us as New Frontiers. But actually then, an arrow was placed in and fired to the nation. Now, you can't throw arrows to the nation. You need strong bows to send them. And God wants you to know you're a strong bow here 
strong bow, no, strong, a strong bow, a str- <laughs> too many references to drink, a strong bow here, that's what you are, and some of you just need to know, and we're just going to take a moment right now, not going to be long ministry, just to honour that, if you feel, this is my home church, my home city, maybe you were born here, maybe you've moved in, but you just now feel it's home, and you just feel called to stay, then we want to honour the strength of the bow, if that's you, why don't you stand now, there's going to be quite a lot of you. That was a husband and wife saying, he's standing, I guess I should. <laughs> It'd be fascinating if we do a call later to the nations and you feel you're going. <laughs> oh, he's relieved. Oh, right, he's relieved I'm standing. Right. So these just want to honour you. Now, this isn't a lifetime commitment. The elders aren't taking your names down. It's just where it's a moment where we're just honouring one another. So, church, open your eyes. These are people who are going to be the backbone of this church. So these are the people that are going to give their life to this church. These are the people that are called locally. And, you know, it's good to have a tree that fruits out, but it's rooted down. It needs to be rooted. So why don't you just stretch your hands out towards them if you're around them. And let's just honour these people. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the strength of the bow. Thank you for men and women, young and old, who are saying, we love Derby. We love the city. We love this area. You, and even if we don't love it, you'll call us here anyway, so we're going to love it. We choose to love it. And we are rooted here. This is our town. This is our city. And we want to bless our city. We want to bless our town. And we want to be part of a missionary group that sends people to the ends of the earth. We're just as important. In fact, they can't go without us. They can't go without the strength of the bow. They can't go without being sent. We are important here today and we honour you. We honour the call of God on you to stay and to be strong. And God says, know that this is just as important. It's like I said to Sarah, it's just as apostolic to stay home and to bring up your family and to give time and to give effort and to give energy to them because in the end they're going to go. It's just as important for you to stay here. Just as important. In fact, God honours it and God honours you in this. Lord, we thank you for these beautiful people who are saying they're staying here. Lord, may this tree trunk. May this base be strong and straight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, why don't you guys sit down. Now, it may be a similar group of people that stand now, just warning you that. It may be a different group, but when I said the word cultural missionary, and then when I explained it, some of, and then when Anne told her story, and you go, I could do that. If I could do it better than that. I could probably mention the name of Jesus. <laughs> I probably could have a word of knowledge. I could do better than her. I could do better than that. In fact, you know what? I actually feel when I am at school or at college or when my third space, do you know what? I think actually I am called to be a light. See, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Then he called his disciples together and said, you are now the light of the world. It's because we're in Christ. We become Christ-like and we get to shine like Jesus, like Rupert was saying in the pub. And by the way, Rupert, I felt there was such authority. The, the Spirit of the Lord was all over you when you said that. I could just sense the Spirit on you. And you thought that was just a contribution for this morning. Actually, this is to be a lifestyle for you. 
You're going to be a man who exhibits the presence of God in strange and ordinary places. Uh, It's not just going to be in meetings, it's going to be in life. And the Spirit's going to come upon you in pubs and clubs and uh, art galleries and settings and unusual places and offices and just ordinary places and ordinary things. It's just going to come on you in unusual places. And actually, that's because you're going to be a light to shine in the darkness. And you're actually going to lead many people to him. Actually, many on the last day will say, this man shone the light of God, shone the light of Christ. And it wouldn't, it's not going to be necessarily in meetings. It's not going to be a, a great evangelist in meetings, but you're going to be an evangelist in life. You're like that woman. Uh, not, you're like a woman, but you're like that woman. I have to be careful with my language. That Jesus met at the well, and she then she became an evangelist to her city. Come and meet a man who, who's told me everything I've ever done. And she just was normal and just... You know, she just spoke about him, and you, there's going to be a normality, an ordinariness to you, Rupert, and you're just going to you're going to lead many people into lifestyle evangelism. It's really important you understand. It's really important you understand the authority that's on you because of that. It's quite often the spotlight's on your wife because of her amazing singing ability, but right now the spotlight is on you, and God says authority and evangelism and shining is a light in the darkness. And there's many Ruperts in this room. There's many men and women who just, you know, I'm called to be alike. I'm just like Anne. I'm called to, I'm called to not dash in and dash out, but I'm called to just chat to the cashier. I'm, I'm called to be friendly to the person in the, in the coffee shop or the bookshop or, or the office or wherever I go. That's who, <coughs> that's who I am. I'll never go to the nations, but I'm a cultural missionary. If that's you, could you just stand now, please? I just want to pray and prophesy over you. Again, I thought it would be some, some of the same people, but it's different people as well. <clears throat> Again, let's just pray. Let's just, let's just reach our hands out. This is the body of Christ ministering to itself. Lord, I thank you that you've called Jubilee Church Derby to shine like a light. You said in Philippians, Lord, that it's like we're to be stars that shine in the darkness. And sometimes you've even said to yourselves... Why am I in this dark place? Why is my family or my street or my office or where, why is it that I, I seem to get the dark bits? Well, that's because you're the light of the world. That's why. Why would God send, he sends light into darkness. That's what he did in Christ. That's what he did in creation. And right now in the church, he's sending you like a light into darkness. He's sending you into that to shine for him, to show people you haven't got to be miserable and dull and, and, and full of despair. Actually, you can be encouraging and full of life and fun and laughter and the peace of God. And when people tell you their troubles and they tell you their difficulty, in fact, this week I see, just like Mandy on that checkout till, when she says to Anne, I'm going to go into hospital for an operation. Why should she tell Anne that? Because Anne's been kind to her a lot. And actually, there are people that are just going to open up to you this week. They're going to tell you about their bad backs. They're going to tell you about their family situations. They're going to tell you about their financial troubles. And all you're to do is to say, I'm going to pray for you. In fact, could I pray right now, like Graham and I did in the restaurant? Or like Anne said, I'm going to pray for you at home. And the light that that's going to bring is going to be transformational. The laughter, the peace, the joy that's going to bring. And some of you are going to invade certain things. Sarah, there's this, this whole uh, fostering adoption thing on you. You're, you're going to be a light in a very, it's a very tense field. It's a very difficult area of society, full of 
difficulties and troubles. You're going to, you're just, a, you, what you've done with, it's just going to be a light in that darkness. And, and you're going to influence many. So it, this is not about you thinking about influencing one baby. This is actually about you influencing a whole generation of mothers and fathers and children and bringing God's blessing to them and light into that. There's, there's a, just like the stuff that's on Krish Can Die, the hope, home for good thing, there's something on you that's of similar proportions in terms of influencing others in this. And you need to know that. It's a massive leadership thing. That's apostolic, actually, influencing culture and family life as much as planting churches in the nations. And guys, the Spirit of the Lord's on you for this. The Spirit of the Lord is on you for this. This is more and more is to be known as a church that shines a light in the darkness. This is why the Spirit comes on you. He comes on you today, not for today, but so that you might be a hope for tomorrow. Amen. He comes on you today to shine in the darkness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the shining of the Spirit that's on these dear people. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please sit down. There's one final landing place, and then I will stop. And that's this. There's one or two of you it might be some younger ones here as well, that just feel that you are called one day in your life, and it might be many years from now, to plant churches in the nation and the nations. It might be this nation, but I'm also sensing some of you just feel, you've never kind of come out of it about it. It may be at a, a Christian event, or it may be it, as you were a child, it maybe God spoke to you about being a missionary, spoke to you about going somewhere, spoke to you about nations, and you're just carrying. It might be this nation, because don't forget the nations live down our streets. It might be the nations, but you just feel, actually, I'm going to go and plant a church. You know, I'm not going to be staying here, I'm not going to be shining in Derby, I'm going to be shining somewhere else. I'm just called to plant a church. And we kind of need to out you, because we need to pray for you, we need to train you, we need to equip you, and we need to send you. And it might be many years from now, but we need to send you with authority. So if that's you, this is the last one, I promise you. Would you just stand right now? That's it. That's it. Well done. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Well done. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just bless these embryonic church plants. Lord, we bless what's happening in Burton. We bless what's happening in Ashbourne. But Lord, we bless that these people are called to nations. We bless the call to Africa. We bless the call to Africa, the call to Africa and the nations. We bless that here in this. We bless the call to the Far East. We bless the call that out of this church, the, the Eastern Asian provinces are going to hear of the glory of the Lord. We bless that. We bless the call to the Americas. We bless what you're doing, Lord, in these people. In Jesus' name, we bless it. And we believe, Lord, this is going to be an apostolic, Antioch-based church that's going to send people to the nations, that's going to influence Derby, Derbyshire, UK, and the ends of the earth. And we just prophesy it over. We see the, from the end times perspective, we look back and we see Jubilee Church Derby is massively significant in God's plan to seed the nation. We don't build a Tower of Babel, we actually go to the nations, wherever you're calling us, whatever you're doing. 
Now release your authority right now, Lord, on these church planters. Release your spirit right now on these church planters. Let them know your presence. Let them know your peace. And Lord, I pray for dreams and visions. God, this couple here, God says to you, dreams and visions, he's going to give you dreams and visions. There's going to be literal dreams. You're going to see things and visions of things. And God, you've got a call to the nations and God wants you to know. He's going to speak to you, actually. Just trust your Father in heaven. My Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. Jesus said, those who are the, it says, those who are the sons of God, Paul says, in other words, those who are in Christ, are led by the Spirit of God. Don't fear, he's going to lead you. Now just come, Lord Jesus, just come <clears throat> in your name. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Now elders need to have their eyes open <laughs> because we need to pastor people through this because it's not an immediate thing. It's not a going tomorrow. Some of it will be 10, 20 years' time. Some of it will be five years' time. Some of it will be sooner than you think. And we need to help pastor you through. Thank you, Lord Jesus. More on you, sir. There's, there's, there's things in your heart that you've been embarrassed or even afraid to talk about. It's scary. But that's because God's a big, big God. And as Ray said, he's much bigger than you realise. And he's got big... You're a little man, you think. But there's a big plan of God for your life. You just need to, you just need to receive these things. Come, Lord, more on it. More, Lord. More. David, God's not caught out by circumstances. He's not caught out by a slowing down. But God says there's going to be an acceleration. And God wants David, he wants you to step into something. There's a stepping into the purposes of God and not stepping into a side street. He's going to cause you, he's going to give you steps. And and you're on track, but he's going to give you steps to step into the purposes of God. He's going to call you, he's going to show you what those practical steps are, actually, over the next few months. He's going to speak to you, David, and he's going to underline. Even, Even as you have more space, he's going to actually fill that with more vision and more more calling. And it is the nations. And Africa is on your heart. And we want to affirm and confirm that, that God's got his hand on you, my friend. And it's going to call you to nations. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You, you are such an influential young lady here. You, you, your influence is all over your life. And when you go, it's like when Anne sometimes takes a plant out of the garden, you can't help but pull a load of other plants with it. And what's going to happen as you go, lots of young people are going to flock to you. Even as they flock to you now, lots of guys and girls are going to flock to you. And you're going to be part of teams that take young people and are involved with that. So God says, you keep, keep looking after these young people. Keep giving your life to them and working with them and doing that. Because actually you're going to influence their destiny as well. And when you go, actually lots of other plants are going to get disturbed in a good way pulled out of the garden, pulled out of their bit. They may not physically go with you, but they'll be kind of disturbed and kind of pulled out and pulled up. And as you go, others will be influenced. Now, Lord Jesus, we've probably gone on far too long. (laughs) We've tried to go for your time scale, not ours. And therefore, we ask you to bless this church. Why don't we all stand now? Lord Jesus, we all commit ourselves to your purposes. We thank you, Lord, that this... It's not Antioch, this is Derby. This is Jubilee Church Derby. But just like you did in ancient Antioch 2,000 years ago, you're doing some similar stuff here. You're calling us to be multicultural, to be representative of our community. 
You're calling us to be a place, a well of the Spirit to influence others. And you're calling us, Lord, wherever we are, tomorrow, next week, you're calling us to shine like stars against a black background that we might influence people for you. Help us, Lord, to be the church that you've called us to be, to step into your calling. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.